Welcome to the Overreact podcast. In a society that puts women in a box, let's overreact. It's your host, Monica Mohoya. It's your girl, Angela Wamboy. And it's your girl, Lash Angela. And we want to say a big thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of The Queen Hustler Season 3. And of course, if you haven't done so yet, we want to encourage you all to subscribe to our podcast pages because we're on a mission this year to get to 1 million streams. All you have to do is follow Sister Speaks Global podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Anchor, as well as Capital FM Kenya page on SoundCloud. And you guys are not ready for this conversation where uh, we have an amazing guest. We're going to deep dive into the conversation of how to thrive as an entrepreneur, how to create or to position yourself in the ecosystem, uh, you know, get your competitive advantage and selling points. And best of all, she will give you the insight into how you can position yourself and attract funding and other uh, different opportunities to elevate your business. Yes, that's right. And to add more depth to the conversation we have with us in the studio, Sheena Raikundalia, the country, country director of UK Kenya Tech Hub. So a little inside story. I met Sheena because in 2020, I was selected to participate in Kenya Small Business Leaders Program, which was in conjunction with UK Kenya Tech Hub and Shortlist Professionals. And as a result, I got connected to Dorothy Oko, as you remember, girls. Hi, Dorothy. <laughs> she became my mentor and has continued to be uh, that for me since. And we're blessed to also have her as a guest in season two. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome you to the studio, Sheena. Please tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and start with a fun fact. Great. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. And of course, seeing what you guys have achieved and what you're doing is extremely, extremely exciting. So thank, thank you for you having so me much. over. Um, so let me start. My name is Sheena Raikandalia and I'm the country director for the UK Kenya Tech Hub. But before I was a country director, there's been a long journey. I used to be a lawyer in London for 10 years and then moved to Kenya because I decided to marry my high school boyfriend. So I moved to Kenya that, you know, you think you're going to find somebody better, but you don't. You come back and you double for who you went with. Um, There's hope for us. There, yes. Don't forget your high school ex-boyfriend, guys. Get them on speed dial. Um, so, so that's why I moved back about 10 years ago. And then when I moved back, I thought, well, I don't want to do law now. Let me try something different. Started my own business. My, uh, it was an insure tech firm and failed. Failed miserably. In those six months is, you know, when, when I say I failed, I mean, that that was my, I failed, rock bottom. And ended up getting chicken pox at the same time. So oh, it was oh, a very oh low Lord. point in my, in my, in my early Goodness. 30s. Um, but although we keep talking about it as failure, it was probably one of the bestest. I learned more in that startup, in that failed startup than I did in my entire career as a lawyer and my MBA combined. Mm. And after that, I realized this is what I want to do. I want to be in this space, this entrepreneurship space. Um, so I joined another organization. We were bringing an international fund. We were bringing a $100 million fund to Africa. We worked with startups, with women startups, um, helping them scale, did lots of cool stuff. And then after a few years of that, I then moved into this UK Kenya Tech Hub position. So I've done it all, not all, but I've done the corporate, I've done the, you know, I've done the uh, the entrepreneurship, I've done the support to entrepreneurs, and now I'm sort of sitting in that kind of government donor role. And connecting us to expand our horizons. I really love um, that you own your failures um, because it's a mark of strength. Uh, we had, the three of us had attended a workshop recently, and um, one of the ladies said that she wears her failure um, at, at, on her chest. And I think the fact that you refer to yourself as a failed entrepreneur brings a different edge to the conversation because uh, we are 
the way we are born in this society, we, we are taught to celebrate our grade A's, but we ignore the, uh, the unmarked ones or the E's and the F's. Um, if, if I was to remove that failure, that experience, what would that change of your character, do you think? I think uh, everything. And I think this is, the, this is the other thing that I, you know, I'm also Kenyan, I'm British and I'm Indian. So I see myself as this kind of global citizen, which I think is where, where we are. And very similar to the kind of the African and the Asian culture is this, you have to do well. So I've always been a straight A student. I've always been top of my class. I was, you know, top of my game when I was in, you know, when I was a trainee solicitor, I was always hitting the highest billables. I was on track to becoming a partner. In fact, that's exactly what I wanted to do. If you had asked me like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, where do you see your life? If, if somebody told me, if you had said to me you'd be working for the British government in Nairobi heading a tech hub, I'd be like, you've got me confused. <laughs> I'm going to be a partner. You remember Suits? Did anybody watch Suits and shows like that? Yeah, right. that was me. I was going to be a partner at a law firm in the city in London. So I think one, never say never. But our culture, I think Asian and African tells us to just, that's what we, that's what we strive, that's what we strive for. Yeah. In fact, when I moved here, and I decided not to be a lawyer. My parents were heartbroken. Yeah, no. What? Why? Why would you not be a lawyer? After you, they've spent so much money taking you to <laughs> right. school. Right. Yeah. And and you know, so 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 I think had I not done this entrepreneurship journey and also failed and realized that how much I learned, I probably wouldn't have gone more into kind of the tech space, the entrepreneurship space. And honestly, I think my life would be completely different because I love what I do. And I see, and because of what I do, I meet awesome women like yourselves and other entrepreneurs and, and men too. I don't, I don't hate men, but you know, <laughs> um, meet lots of entrepreneurs who are going to change the world. Like and, and, you know, so I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And in the West, it's a very different attitude. Everyone's very proud of being a failed entrepreneur. In fact, you know, if you look at Richard Branson, you look at all these big kind of... Mm-hmm. They failed lots of times. 100%. Um, in fact, angel investors, we were talking about the money, they look at previous failures and say, you know what, you've learned it now. So I think there's also that mindset shift, right? That yes. culture acceptance. It's not failure, actually. Um, you know, it's failure if you don't learn something from it. Mm-hmm. It's failure if you don't get up from it. It's failure if you don't move on from it. Yeah. If you learn and move on, it's not. And that's why I will always keep the failed entrepreneur um, tagline because I think more and more of us need to be failed something yes. um, yeah. in order to be better and better at whatever we decide to do. I think we do. should be uh, doing a fail fest for every failed entrepreneur in Nairobi. Absolutely. Keep yeah. it here. Yeah. We'll announce a fail fest for you all. <laughs> if it, yeah. Like, because... You failed in the um, insurance deck. Can you share for anyone who's in that space, what did you actually fail at? And maybe that can help them. Yeah, so two things. I think one, um, the idea that I had was probably, again, not at the right time. So sometimes you can have the best idea, but the timing might not be right. Um, So that doesn't mean your idea is bad. It just means, you know, something needs to be tweaked at that at that time, I mean, Netflix had a very similar thing. I think Netflix was ready with what what they were ready, but then internet connection was not ready and stuff. So sometimes the market has to catch up with you. So what I had done is, I had come from the UK, which you know where everything is insured, and you know I, I I came to Nairobi when I was engaged, and my most expensive thing was my my, my engagement ring, yeah. and I was just terrified that I was going to lose it. I was telling my husband, I'm like, oh, I need to insure my ring, and he's like, um, yeah, I'll call you, I'll find my broker, and I was like broker like that just that's <laughs> odd what do you mean broker what about people who don't have brokers this is very so i wanted to get the whole insurance value chain from finding insurance to making your claims to everything online but the tech wasn't there yet so i think one was we were we're probably getting there now mm. but we definitely were not there remember this was about 10 years ago when i moved yeah and the second thing is um as much as i'm the tech director 
I'm a terrible techie. I couldn't even teach myself how to code. I'm, I, I really, really suck at tech. And actually, I think that's what probably makes me a really good tech director because I can connect the world of tech and non-tech so that mm. people can speak the same language. Mm. So I went and got a tech co-founder, but we didn't have the same vision at all. And that was, I think that's more generalized advice I can give all entrepreneurs. Co-founders are super important, but make sure you share the same vision. That doesn't mean have the same skills, no. Definitely have different skills. But if you don't have the same vision in mind or the same kind of ambition, you are going to fail. Um, so for me, like the fact that what had happened is at the time, some new companies were coming into the market doing insurance comparison. And my tech partner at the time was like, oh, my God, we're finished. We're finished. And I was like, this is great. We're validated. There's a need for it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah so I think finding the right co-founder, super important. I love the way you said, uh, when the market is not ready, don't give up yet. So I happened to consult for an insure tech. Uh, also, like someone from the UK was trying to try his insure tech innovation in Kenya uh, in 2019. And then the onset of COVID, uh, everything just came crashing. And to date, he's devastated, like hospital yeah. case. It's very hard. He's so stressed, like, you know, how could I have failed? I put on my savings. I had yeah. the best team. But again, the business environment was not favorable. Yeah, yeah. that's a very important uh, lesson. Okay. Thank you for and sharing. And that's resilience, right? That's the failure. You get up and you kind of move on. And it's hard when you lose money. It's hard when you lose time. It's hard. I mean, I honestly think the chicken pox came as a result of that failure because I was at my lowest time, you know? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was horrible. But now that I think about it, gosh, I learned so much. I'm actually a better advisor and a mentor to entrepreneurs because I get it. Um, and I've been through it. Amazing. Um, your, your story already is just, wow, just mind-blowing. Um, and like you said, inspiration is not enough to keep a business running. Um, so I just want to ask you, what kind of advice would you give to other women entrepreneurs when it comes to finding your unique selling point? What are some strategic questions that one could ask themselves in order to turn their hustle into a full-fledged business? Yeah. So it's such a good question, and I've actually done sessions on this, right, which is like taking your idea to a business. Because honestly, everybody can have an idea. Like, I literally have an idea every time I take a shower. And I'm like, oh my God, I should do this. That. <laughs> that is so true. So it, 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 is, it is, right? So how do you then, the, the big thing is not having an idea. So it's how do you take that idea into the into into your business, right? It's the execution that is super key. And I think one of the, and there's so many tools available, right? One of the most simplest tools available is a business model canvas. And basically all the business model canvas I think says is, what is your value proposition? And you know, we hear all these big words, oh, value proposition, business model canvas. But what are they trying to say? What they're trying to say is, you know, what pain point are you solving for your customer? Or what gain or what joy are you giving your customer? So you just ask yourself two questions. Um, you know, am I alleviating pain or am I bringing gain? And how am I doing that? And then once you ask that question about pain and gain, which is simple, pain, gain, forget value proposition and all these fancy words, pain, gain. Mm-hmm. And then just be like, are people being, are then people going to be willing to pay for this? Because there's some things that might cause me gain, but actually I'm not willing to pay for it. So that's the next step. Pain, gain, because then you understand if the market actually needs what you're doing or is it just because some, it's just, is it just something that you think people need or just something that you think you can do therefore you want people to do it you know that build it and they will come attitude no so are you actually solving a real pain point or causing you know or or creating this customer experience but number two which is what I think what female entrepreneurs kind of then forget is are people willing to pay for this Mm. yeah 
Right. And Because people might love things, yeah. but they might yeah. not be willing to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. That's a very good point. And you can't blame people, right? Like, look at the times that we live in. Like, times are tough. Times, yeah. times are tough. We yeah. have to balance the little mm-hmm. money that we have. So mm-hmm. you really, really must be doing something that people want to solve. And whether that's going directly to consumers, and that's something else I think women do quite a lot. When we start our businesses, we just think... B2C, you know, like how yeah. do we deal with consumers? But there's a whole other market, which is B2B, which is can we also solve pain points for other businesses? It could be smaller businesses, it could be corporates. Can we provide that joy, that gain to other businesses? And those are the two ways to, to, to do it. That's amazing. I remember my first um, stint uh, when Angela was doing uh, the tech hub thing, I was doing something with Unita around social entrepreneurship and women of Horn of Africa. And that's the first time I've done a million businesses and failed. It's the first time that I actually did my business Canva and it changed the way I look at business. So I think what I'm hearing a lot is know the pain point and then have a structure. You know, don't mind about the whole fussy words and all that. So since you're interfacing between two governments, uh, the Kenyan and UK government, and then there's an element of tech. So what have been your key observations in how we do business as women and how you know women in the UK do business and how that interconne- it's interconnected with tech? How is that changing? Also, how we are placing ourselves, how we are p- applying, uh, you know, to go market, da da da, all those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. really good question. And in Thank some you. ways, um, women all over the world are, are are very similar. And like I said, yes, I, I'm British. Yes, I'm, but I'm Kenyan and I'm also Indian, right? So mm-hmm. there's that also. You know, I've now, you know, I can relate with different types of women from diff- you know from all over the world. And there's so many things that we that we have in common. So, for example. One of the things was around, like, you know, we will not apply for a job unless we 100% qualify, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. like That's I almost true. didn't apply for this UK Kenya Tech Hub job because I'm like, oh, I'm so terrible at tech, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I really shouldn't apply. And and, and, and so we, we are our own sort of barriers. Another time, I remember when I was a trainee solicitor and um, I was doing, like, 140% billable hours. So solicitors, we're lawyers, we're, we, we, we're, you know, how much we bill is how much we get rewarded. But the rule was... You don't get a bonus if you're a trainee. So even though I was on 140%, I was like, oh, the, the rule is no bonus. I didn't even think about applying for a bonus. My friend, my male colleague and friend, one of my really good friends in the UK, he was like 103% uh, above his billable targets. Do you know what he did? He asked. He was like, hey, I've passed my targets. Shouldn't I get a bonus? And they're like, oh, no, no, sorry, policy. But here is a voucher. Here is like champagne. And the, and he got this huge thing. And he, he came up to me and said, hey, let's go for champagne. I've got this. I've got that. And I was like, but well, how did you get it? He goes, well, I was on 103%. And I'm like, I'm on 145%. Wow. And he's just like, well, why didn't you ask? And I'm like, because trainees aren't supposed to get bonuses. He goes, why didn't you ask? Wow. We have not because we ask not. Yeah. That's Let's go to church. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, and this is a mindset that we, that is so, you know, and I'm, you know, I was a very confident woman in my 20s or this, but I just accepted that rule. I just, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I don't meet these requirements. Oh, I don't, you know. We we don't ask. And we, you know, and, and that's the other thing. And when and when we do, sometimes we get that, that you know, you're, you you get scared. Oh, I'm bossy. I'm, you know, like, this is a joke, right? Like, like men are not bossy. Men are assertive, but women are bossy. Yeah. So I now, you know, so now when people call me bossy, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's fine. If you want to call me bossy, you can call me bossy. And the idea is that if you're bossy, you're not likable. Really? I'm, 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 and also, I'm very likable. Yeah. Some people may find me bossy. I can still be bossy and likable. And 
honestly, it, it doesn't matter. The other thing I think is we just believe that if we keep working hard, somebody will notice. No, nobody will. Mm. Nobody will. Yeah, knock those doors. And we, we keep being told to be humble. And being humble means we shouldn't, you know, shout out other roofs. And it's a bit cringy. So I'll give you an example. Just recently I was awarded as, and I, I feel even embarrassed saying this, but as one of the top 25 women in tech by some survey that came out. And... And it has some amazing women, like I think the head of this and this, like Microsoft and this and that. And I saw myself there because somebody messaged me saying, oh, and I, and I haven't myself been able to post that because I'm like, I'm so embarrassed as a failed techie. I'm, I'm terrible at tech. How can I be a top 25 woman in tech? And it's really funny because here I am giving other people that advice. But I, I myself, I really shy away from that point because I don't think I deserve that. Because I'm re- like I said, I'm I'm terrible at coding. I'm not a good techie. Yeah. And to be identified as a top twenty-five woman in te- tech actually makes me feel very uncomfortable. But it shouldn't because I should think about like what I've achieved. And actually, I didn't do anything about it. they. This organization came and has added me as one of those women. I should just if, if I should just embrace it and go for it. Yeah. So take, you, take your own advice. Exactly. Congratulations. Congratulations. I think the example that I'm trying to say yeah. is. It, it's not like it changes as you get more senior and more confident. Yeah, you right. do, but yeah. And then yeah. the same applies to business. And we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the business question. Yeah. As I well. wanted to ask, so I guess like in that same uh, thing about like not wanting to ask the questions and there's a, a report that was done by TechPoint in 2020, which estimated that only 10% of West Africa focused startups with at least one female co-founder successfully raised $1 million or more in the last decade. So that just goes to show maybe we are not asking the money that we want to be lower the amount. And in, in that um, you know, co- mode of conversation, what do you think as women entrepreneurs with amazing businesses that are actually working, what are, and you know with your background with investment, what are some of the things that you would tell somebody to be better at when they are pitching to an angel investor and um, what are things that they need to be asking themselves to look through in their business to make sure that they get those sponsorship and the funding and the grants that they're looking for. So it's very funny that you've just said this because on one hand you've said investment and in the same sentence you've said sponsorship and grants. If you want sponsorships and grants, that's not an investment. If you're an investment, an investment is where, as an investor, I will invest in you because I believe that your business will make me money. So I will invest in you thinking that I will get a 3x, 10x, 100x, or whatever my return is. But when I invest, I want money back. What I've invested, plus more. I, the thing that I think that is holding us women back, and we're actually at the UK Canada Tech Hub working on a digital connecting finance with women, and it's very, very funny. All of the women that we've spoken to have talked about, we want funding, we want funding, but then they've all gone to grants. If you're a business person, I'm not saying grants are not important. Grants are very important, right? But to get a grant is extremely difficult. You're competing with a lot of different people. And when you're competing with a grant, you're actually asking somebody for money, you know, you're not telling them that you're going to, you're not telling them to invest in me. You're saying, help me. You're begging. Yeah. Right? So again, there's some really good grants and a lot of entrepreneurs that have been successful have raised grants. So I'm not saying don't raise grants, but please let's change our mindset. If you want to raise money, if you want to raise investment, then let's be an investment, right? Let's think about how we're going to use that money 
to make more money so that we can return it to our investors, pay ourselves, grow our business, go global, etc. That's number one. When you talk about investment, please be very, very clear. Do you want an investment? Because an investment is not a grant. If you want a grant, that's fine. There are grants available and you should chase them. You should go after grants. But if your sole strategy for your business is a grant or a scholarship, don't expect me as an angel investor to want to invest in you because I don't want to invest in people who have not got that ambition to grow and return my money. I am not running a charity. Wow. Drop <laughs> my I know. I'm here thinking, wow, <laughs> we got it all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You will get scholarship. You will get corporate sponsorships and corporate sponsorships are, you know, are, are a source of revenue. Great. But again, be very, very clear on, on, on what it is that you're trying to, uh, what is that you're trying to do because real quick, you need maybe, that ambition. Yeah. yeah. Real quick, maybe what's the investment readiness 101? Like I want, I don't want to beg anymore. What do I do? Okay. So first of all, <laughs> number one is get your business model, right? Are you solving a problem? Go back, pain gain. Are you doing that? Are people willing to pay for it? And start getting paid customers. Guess what your biggest source of income is? People who pay you for your services. Once you see people paying you for your services, once investors see people paying you for your services, they will want to jump in. And there are different types of investors who will want to jump in at different times. You know, you have some investors. And, and another thing I want to try and add is, let's please stop trying to copy the West. The Silicon Valley model does not work for Africa. Let me tell you something. We sit here and we cry and we say, People are not investing in us. How many Kenyans invest in Kenyan businesses? Or how many Kenyans go and put their money in property and stock exchange? How many Kenyans invest in other Kenyan businesses? We, all Kenyans, are investors. We all invest in our chamas. We buy property together. We might invest. We put money for a friend's business or whatever. Imagine if we took that and became professional investors. That professional investors doesn't mean anything. It just means I'll give you money. I'll help you grow your business. And you give me a return. And that's what we're growing in Kenya. One of the projects that we're running with the UK Kenya Tech Hub is how do we grow angel investments? Now, let me tell you something. We, we, we did it. We, we trained a bunch of people from Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, and the UK. One of the people went through the training in Nairobi, and he set up something called NIBAN, Nairobi Business Angels Network. Some of the members put in about $1,000. So angels is not like big, big money. It could be $1,000, $3,000, or whatever. In one year since they've been formed, they have done 11 deals, so that's 11 businesses have got biz have got money, investment, right, worth $400,000. Three wow. of those startups have gone and raised $1.5 million. Amazing. That's a game changer, girl. <laughs> it is. And I just, I love the mind shift that you have. And, and literally, you are living, be the change that you want to see. Um, so um, according to AFDB, East Africa is Africa's fastest growing region. So even with the COVID disruption and all that, we're still the fastest growing region in Africa. Um, what are some of the trends you're seeing in the region that entrepreneurs should be paying attention to? And you know, what are some, some advice that will be helpful to their business? Okay. First of all, this is, my, this is my favorite. I always talk about this all the time. Agriculture, agriculture, agriculture. We need to change the narrative. I'm so sick and tired of this story about how can we help feed poor Africans. The story is Africa can feed the world. This is how. Oh, that's right. Entrepreneurs can help Africa feed the world. And that's what we need to do. So if we think about Kenya, we have, we have the land, we have the soil. And yes, we're going through a drought in the, in the northern regions. But are we going through a, crowd, a drought in the western regions? No. No. So what is going on? 
I see food that has been grown and com- constantly wasted, right? Tomatoes rotting because it's too expensive to transport them. Agro-processors are trying to get like, um, they, they, they're importing tomatoes from Uganda or whatever, or instead of making, instead of getting it from Kenya because they're not getting consistent supply. We, what we do in Kenya is we grow all these things, tea, coffee, whatever, we send them off and then we buy back ketchup and we buy back all of these and we things. we have all the natural resources So right what we're doing basically, we import food. We are paying for food, despite the fact that we can grow it. I think every single young person, every single entrepreneur, think agriculture. You know, a sector that is unproductive, that's the business opportunity. And agriculture is unproductive. There are so many opportunities in agriculture, whether it's, you know, whether, okay, and when you think of agriculture, straight away we think smallholder farmers toiling away, you know, our grandmothers in the village. No, it could be collating, like aggregating that produce, linking it with buyers. It could be cold storage. It could be value addition. And also, this is the other thing. Again, mindset. Sukuma, uh, kale, superfood, yeah? Sukuma, same family, poor man's food. Terere, which basically I didn't realize, is amaranth. So when my daughter, my first, when my daughter was born, I was like, oh, she needs protein. So I would go and buy these like amaranth crackers and stuff. My nanny came home to me. She goes, I can make this at home with terere. So, <laughs> and wow. I was like, what? It didn't even click to me. So this is how brainwashed we are. We have mm. superfoods here. Let's go and market mm. these superfoods in mm. the world. My sisters, when they visit me from the UK, they cannot get over how amazing our avocados are. Mm. Why yeah. isn't yep. Kenyan, why aren't Kenyan, why isn't Kenyan guacamole sold in supermarkets mm. across the world? Right. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's things like our superfood. And then there's so many entrepreneurs. Also, like, we've forgotten our traditional knowledge. So I know the story, and again, this is another uh, entrepreneur you should interview, Harriet's Botanicals. She used to be a lawyer. She yeah, used to be, she used to be in, in Goldman Sachs. I think she's moved here, and I tell her story all the time. She probably thinks, who is this lady constantly <laughs> talking about me? But basically, she left a high-flying job in Goldman Sachs in London to set up Harriet's Botan- Botanicals, and she earns more money here now. Mm. And what she's done is she's using traditional traditional like trees and stuff to kind of um, because she was having and I'm not sure if I should say this but she was having sort of you know menstrual pains and cramps which nobody in England could deal with Mm. she comes to Kenya her grandmother gives her some root completely works so she's like my my sisters now they they take it back with them when they go it's Mm. arrowette and things like that so we're forgetting how much power and knowledge we have in our own history and same with Indians we've done the same thing when I was growing up, my grandmother used to keep telling me, turmeric, have turmeric. And I'd be like, no, no, no. I'd always, I'd always think other medicine was better. Yeah. Go to Holland and Barrett now in the UK. They sell you turmeric tablets and garlic tablets. Yep. <laughs> so what I'm Funny saying, at Starbucks, you have what's called like, uh, you know, I think a turmeric spice latte, which is basically my grandmother's meal, my grandmother's recipe for me when I was ill, which is like milk and turmeric. Yeah. Disgusting tasting, FYI. <laughs> but, but either way, it's a superfood. Yeah. So we need to kind of realize that we don't need to copy the West. In fact, we shouldn't. We need to find our strength and compete, and we can. Yeah, be the leaders of the space, yeah. I think. Agriculture. Wow. So if you ask me the trends, yeah, yes. everyone's going to tell you cool things like fintech and edtech and health tech. Yeah, me? Agriculture. agriculture. Smart farming, yeah? Agtech, agriculture, mm. linking. Linkages. The biggest mm. problems we have is too many silos. Like, like having grown up in the West and always hearing uh, the continent referred to or even Kenya referred to as a third world nation. And when you finally come here and you live here, like you said, we're so rich 
yeah. and natural resources. So I love that. All I'm hearing is mind shift. Let's change the way we look at ourselves. So yeah. sad that we have to cut it short, but the, um, you have really, really inspired us. You have dropped amazing nuggets and insights. So this uh, conversation has been truly enlightening. Uh, so before you go, we would like to give you a digital or a physical billboard right there at Uhuru Highway. And it's by Sheena. So complete this sentence. Entrepreneurship is... How we'll solve development challenges. We love, love that. that. Drop mic. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, thank you so much, Overreactors. You have been listening to the Overreact podcast, a space where we openly ask the tough questions and have had conversations to trigger change. A special thanks to Coffee C9 Studios, where this recording takes place. If you are a content creator, I recommend that you come through, check them out, and start the podcast like we have. Tune in every Monday right here from 10.30 p.m. Listen to us digitally via SoundCloud on Capital FM Kenya page and also follow Sister Speaks Global podcast pages on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Anchor. Interact with us at Sister Speaks 254 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and also follow at Overreact Podcast on Instagram. You've been listening to your host... Angela Wamboy. And this is your girl, Monica Mohoya. And I'm going back to the village to farm. <laughs> I love Excellent. it. You've been listening to Lush Angela. And I think this was a very timely conversation, especially with the conversations around climate change. So if you haven't started your agribusiness, you just heard from Sheena. You know what to do, ladies. Let's overreact. Let's overreact.